Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to week number three of Unveiled. Today we are going to conclude our series on worship and uh, as we t- get into this today, I- I'll be honest with you, if it were not for Easter um, next weekend, I would stay here a few more weeks. Um, it just seems that um, as I continue to study on worship, God has given me new new things to share with you guys, so we may have to come back to this a little later in the year, but um, I-, I don't plan on preaching long today. Now, that could change. I got so fired up at 8.30, I almost went over. Um, and, and so that's a little odd in the early service to get that fired up. But I'm excited about what God is doing here uh, at Bethesda Church as it relates to worship. Man, I'm telling you, I could just sense God doing some awesome things during worship just a few minutes ago. Amen? Did you guys sense what I was sensing this morning? I mean, just awesome, just powerful as we entered into God's presence. And um, I want to say this. Um, I think that this series has helped a lot of people from a theological perspective and also a, a local church perspective, but probably even more importantly, is that on a practical level, how worship changes me. How many know our worship doesn't change God? doesn't change Him at all. But every time I worship, I'm changed. Every time I worship, there's something in me that, that changes. And, and so we've learned in this series that worship is powerful. And it's a weapon. It's part of spiritual warfare that when we worship from a pure heart, that the enemy can be removed from our life, that the enemy cannot stay where there is true worship. Scripture says about King David that as he worshiped, as he played the harp, the stringed instrument, that when he did that, that evil spirits that were on Saul began to depart from him because the enemy cannot stay where God is exalted and God is worshiped. And we've learned in this series that Satan resents worship. He hates the fact that God gets glory. He hates the fact that God gets the attention. And so any, any attempt on our behalf to take the attention away from God, to take worship away from God, at that point we become tools in the hands of the enemy. That what we have to understand, some people will come to church and complain about worship. They will talk about worship. They will complain about style or how the volume or the songs or who's on the platform or who's not on the platform. And and what they don't know is that at that point, they are a tool in the hand of Satan. Because worship is reserved only for God. That it's not for us, it's for God. And any attempt to take that attention away from God, we have become a pawn in the devil's in in the devil's agenda or plan. And most pastors will tell you that most of their trouble, y'all gonna like this, comes from their worship team. Am I in the right building? Most of their problems stem from the worship team. And a lot of people, and, and, and we don't have problems, I'm just saying a lot of people, why is that, pastor? Why is that? Well, when that happens, it's usually because just like Satan, pride and arrogance start taking the attention off of God. 
And so what we've learned is that regardless of what songs are being sung and what style and what volume, that when we gather together corporately, it's not about our preferences. It's not about our likes or dislikes. That once we get here, we should come through the doors with a praise already on our lips, with a shout in our heart, here to focus not on what we wanted, but on the worship God deserves. And so I want to say to, about Bethesda's worship team, I am thankful to have a team that is healthy, a team that is leading us into God's presence, a team that is focused on making sure Jesus is lifted high every time we come together. Aren't you thankful for their commitment? And Pastor Sam and his dedication, we're thankful for that. Today I'm going to talk to you about worshiping God's way. And i got to get there quick. This is going to be a practical message. But we are called to worship God. And he's instructed us on how he wants to be worshipped. Isn't it just like God that not only is he worthy of worship, he tells us how he likes it. That God has a way he likes to be exalted. He has a way that he likes to be praised. And we know that worship is simply our response to something we love or someone we love. And that worship is not really worship until it is expressed. Um, and so some of you, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to mess with your tradition today. And I just pray that you'll give me permission to do that because um, this Sunday, how many know this is Palm Sunday, right? We are one week away from Easter. And the text that we're going to read in Luke 19 happened on Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday, the reason we call it Palm Sunday is that they took palm branches during this parade, during this celebration, and they laid them down for Jesus to pass over. And here's what it records in Luke's gospel. It says, when he came near Jesus, the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in, watch this, loud Voices. Everybody say loud voices. He, they were praising God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love this text because the religious people, the religious group, the Pharisees, asked Jesus, would you please tell your people to be quiet? Would you tell them to quieten down? And Jesus responds that if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And I want us to catch a glimpse of the picture that is illustrated in this text this morning because what we see here is a massive celebration. There is a party going on as Jesus enters into the city. There is singing and joy. joy. There is, there is um, loud voices being lifted up to Jesus. And Jesus, in essence, it's my sermon, I'm going to preach it how I want to. In essence, he looked at the party going on and the loud voices and the joy and the singing. And Jesus looked at all of it and said, I like this. I like this. And, and I love that because... What we need to know is that God likes it when you and I get a little crazy about him. 
It's always the religious crowd that says it's too loud or, you know, I, I don't know why we got to stand for 20 minutes and I don't know why people are raising their hands and lifting their voices. It's always the religious people that will state those things. But once you give your life to Jesus, I, I don't have time to go here, but if you knew what God had delivered me from, you might understand my praise. If you knew how many times God brought me out, you would understand my praise. If you knew how how many times God prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You would understand my praise. If anybody has a praise in, in, your, in your voice today, in your hands today, in your lungs today, I dare somebody to give him praise. Woo! I'm telling you, I'm feeling this thing today. The question becomes then, what kind of worship does God like? Notice, I didn't ask you what kind you like. We don't care. We don't care. What kind of worship does God like? See, God has a way that he wants to be exalted. He tells us in Scripture how he likes to be worshipped. And truth is, truth is, that he gave us an entire book, the book of Psalms, which simply means songs of worship, that describes expressions that God enjoys. And a lot of people struggle in the church, but they don't struggle at a ball game. And it's an old analogy, but you, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you see shouting, dancing, clapping, and all that stuff at a ball game, you, and, and you participate, you are a fan. But, but if that's happening in the church and you participate, clapping and singing and loud voices, you are fanatic. Right? There's something wrong with you. But I've determined in my heart that there's no way I'm going to give a football team who doesn't even know my name more worship than I give the God who saved me. There's no way that's happening. They don't even know my name. They have no clue who I am. But God knows you by name. He has saved you. And God not only loves the world, he loves the one. See, we're going to look at God's style, and i got to get there quickly. And, and we've done this before, kind of a few years ago, but so many new people coming that we want to make sure that we all are on the same page as it relates to praise and worship. But I want to start with this understanding. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. And, and, and we're not, you know, doing Hebrew and Greek lessons today. All right, not going to do that. We're going to learn some Hebrew words. But the reason that's important is because the English translators, oftentimes when they were translating the, the original manuscripts from Hebrew and Greek to English, see, Hebrew and Greek, the vocabulary is much larger than ours. Much, much broader, so many more words. And so the English translators oftentimes had a hard time translating because we didn't have enough words to describe what the text is saying. So what we did in English translations is that we often just simplified it. And a great, a great example of that is the word praise. The word praise, when we think of praise, we think of, you know, one or two things. Some people may think of, well, it's clapping your hands. Or some of us, let's just be honest, we think, well, that's the fast songs, right? We think that that's praise. That's our definition. It's the fast ones. And, and, and so, but what you got to understand about praise from God's point of view is that praise, praise has seven different meanings. 
There's seven different Hebrew words for praise, all meaning something totally different. But they are all expressions, and I know that, that a lot of people, well, you, you just got to worship the Lord in your heart. Well, the Bible says that we express our praise, that it's not praise and it's not worship until it has been expressed. And so we're going to look at seven words, and then I'm going to finish up um, after that with, with a couple of things I want to give to you. The first word is Hallel, which means to rave, to boast, or to celebrate. And, and remember, this is God's style. This is not our style. This is God's style. God enjoys when we come into his presence, raving about him, celebrating him, and boasting about him. In other words, worship, praise and worship time should look more like a party than a funeral. See, we're going to mess with your tradition because some of y'all are all reverent. You look real cute. You all dressed up and you're afraid to, I may sweat in my new shirt. Right? We got all this stuff going. We, we, we got to do it proper. We got to be in order. But, but Psalm, Hallel is the root word for hallelujah, to rave, to boast, to celebrate. Psalms 35, 18 says, I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise. That is the word uh, Hallel, which means to rave, to boast, and to celebrate. God before all the people. The psalmist is literally saying, I'm going to praise God with all that I am. I mean, I wonder what this place would look like if all four or five hundred just in this service started praising God with all that they were. How I many it would be a it'd be a crazy looking sight, right? It would look like one of those redskin games I've been to. Like he's had too many, right? It would look like that. See. Praise is, is not about, and I want you to catch, you gotta, it's not so much teaching this as you catching this. Praise is not about maintaining your dignity. Uh, the reason a lot of people struggle with praise is because praise offends your pride. We like worship. We call that worship. I'm not sure that that's worship, but. But praise offends your pride. And, and, and Dave, King David's a great example. He's the king. He's got the highest seat in the land, right? Nobody higher than the king. But he danced like a fool in the presence of God until his wife said, you need to cut it out. And King David said, you better watch it, woman, because you ain't seen nothing yet. I'll be even more undignified than this. I'm willing to lay aside my dignity to give God praise. The second word is the word yada, which means to acknowledge in public. How many are we in public today? Right? You're around a bunch of people. And this word means to acknowledge God in front of everybody. To acknowledge him in public. It also has or carries the idea of extended hands. This hand-raising thing is, is a weird principle for a lot of people. We've had a lot of people come here and say, Pastor, you know their voice changes. Pastor, what what's all the hand raising? What what a pe now now let's just get real for just a minute. How many know if you've never been to church and you show up and a bunch of people singing real loud with their hands straight up in the air? How many that's gonna look a little weird? Like what are they doing? Have you ever watched a worship service on mute?
Come on, just hit the mute button one time and watch it. You're going to see all kinds of crazy stuff. But by, (laughs) we'll get serious in a minute, I promise. By raising your hands, you're letting, you're letting God know that you're surrendering. And, and I'm going to help everybody real quick. How many of you would identify today that you are a Christian by the raising of your hand? Come on, raise your hands. Look, I just helped everybody. You raised your hand and nothing bad happened to you. So the next time we worship, I want to see that one up and the other one. Come on, somebody. I want to see both hands up. He's worthy. Psalm 138 says, I will praise you. It, that word is, it means to acknowledge him in public, to praise him with extended hands. The third word is barak. This word in Hebrew means, it's a word for praise, that means to bless by kneeling or by bowing. This word for praise has the idea of submitting in reverence. How many of there are times in praise and worship when it's appropriate to bow? It's appropriate to kneel. It's a place of surrender. Um, This is a praise that that lets God know that we fully belong to him, that we are surrendering our hearts. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, praise, this is the word Barak, bless him by kneeling or bowing. And and he says, oh my soul, oh oh my inmost being, praise his holy name. So this is a praise of kneeling or bowing. In ancient times, when you would enter into the presence of a king, out of respect, out of reverence many times, you would bow. How many know if you can do that for a natural king, how about let's do that for the king of kings and the lord of lords? That when There are times it's appropriate that we're going to bow in his presence. We're going to kneel in his presence. And there is a benefit to this kind of praise because the psalmist, psalmist goes on to tell us in Psalm 103 that when we surrender in this kind of praise, he encourages us in verse 2. He says, forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So this kind of praise will produce benefits. In praise, we are reminded that God can heal me of my diseases. In praise, we are reminded that God can deliver me from what I'm facing. In praise, we're reminded that God can renew our strength. How many's ever left church and you just felt empowered and strong in the Lord? Because there's something about praise that that empowers you and renews your, your energy, renews your strength like that of an eagle. The fourth word is the word Zamar. And, and, and this one simply means to make music to God with strings. Now, the worship team really going to like this one. Because it, when, when you look at this word, Zamar praise carries the idea of not only making music to God with the strings, but it means that when you play that guitar... Play it hard. Like, come on, y'all. Don't, don't just halfway pluck that bad boy. If you're going to pluck it, then pluck it, right? Like, go get it is, is what is the indication that we're given, that we're not just barely getting through and we're passive about it. It means that we are playing it with all of our heart. Psalm 92 and 1 says, It is good to praise, to make music to God with strings, and, and, and to make music to his name to the Most High God. 
And so God likes it like this. Psalms 150. Anybody familiar with Psalms 150? It, it, now, now, the book of Psalms is all songs of worship, but Psalms 150 is a great summary of what God is looking for. Look at verses 3 through 5 real quick. It says, Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding symbols. It looks like to me when I read that, that Bethesda, we have some room to grow. Y'all get that on the way home. We have some room to take our praise to the next level. We have some room to, to be a little more undignified. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell them, don't be prideful. Pride is what will keep you from praise. The fifth word is Shabak. Everybody say Shabak. All right, almost Shabak. Right? This is my favorite one, and you know why? Because it, it literally means to address in a loud tone, to shout. In other words, God likes it loud. God likes it loud. And, and you always have, have the religious, well, pastor, I won't do the voice again. Um, well, pastor, I, I just don't understand why it's got to be so loud and why does why, why it got to be loud? Why do they got to shout? And, and, and they say things like, you know, God hears us even in our heart. And I, I agree, he does. He hears us in our heart. I get that. And, you know, God isn't deaf is what they say. And I'm, I understand he's really not deaf. But what I've learned, he ain't nervous either. <laughs> I, know you, I know you think that some people are a little radical. Some people are a little over the top. But I think we need to start flowing in praise and worship at a higher level. And, and how many of you have ever attended a sporting event, like a college football game? I know we got Mountaineer fans. We got Marshall fans. No, we don't. Just me. Um, anyway, <laughs> just me. All right. Like two people in the room. I know we're a minority. I, I, I'll, I'll take it to another level. I'm a Redskin fan, all right? I know a bunch of Cowboys are here. I guarantee it. They're everywhere. All right. But, but have you ever been to one of those games and, and it's, you're there and it's loud? How many know it's loud? Like the Redskins Stadium, 92,000 people, it's loud. Now, we may not win a game, but it's loud. It, it's extremely loud. Now, here's the thing. The louder for me at one of those games, the better. How many know it's more fun? Now, if I walked around the stadium when I went to D.C. and I, and I told every person, shh. The players are concentrating. <laughs> I promise you there wouldn't be crowds at a football game, right? So what, it, it, what we have to understand, God likes it loud. Like it, he's not nervous, and there is something. How many of you in Scripture, when people shouted, walls fell down? What if your miracle was on the other side of your shout? I wonder what it would sound like in here. i got to move on. Psalm 63 says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise. I will address you in a loud tone. I will shout. I will shout. Again, I didn't write it. This is the way God likes to be worshipped. Number six, Tauda, to lift hands in adoration. Two out of the seven words involve lifting hands. Hands extended. 
Psalms 50, 23, he who offers praise, who lifts their hands in adoration, glorifies me. And the final Hebrew word is tehillah. Sounds like I'm speaking in tongues, but it's tehillah. And it means exuberant singing. Exuberant. Psalm 34 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise, exuberant singing, will always be on my lips. Exuberant. How many know that, that Bethesda Church has exuberant singing? Right? Like, we, we're, we're excited about it, and we should be. We have a reason to be excited. Psalm 108 says this. Psalm 108 verses 1 and 3 says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. That word praise is the word zamar, making music to God with strings. Even with my glory, I will praise. That is the word yada. I will acknowledge God in public and extend my hands to thee, O Lord, among the people. And I will sing praises. That's the word tehillah, which means exuberant singing among the nation. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, this is God's way. God has a way that he likes to be exalted, a way that he likes to be worshipped. And worship is about expressing my love, right? If it's not love, it's not worship. Now, I want to come to the New Testament, and i got to hurry. New Testament, Matthew chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. I want you to look at Jesus for just a second, and this will make sense. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, Jesus, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? And Jesus responded, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, this passage is very, very awesome at a lot of different levels. But this teacher of the law, what you have to understand, he's struggling. And the reason he's struggling is because he knew that the law itself, how many know if you study the Old Testament law, you're probably going to come to the conclusion that's hard. And and, and not only is it hard, there were over 600 of them. How many know it's hard to keep the law when you don't even know all the law? 600 laws, and, and so he understands that it's going to be difficult. And so he comes up with this question. He said, of all the laws, Jesus, which, which one is most important? And Jesus answered him and he said, the most important one is to love God. See, what makes Christianity hard is when you're not in love. Christianity becomes difficult when you're not in love because when you're not in love, you know what it becomes? Keeping rules. When you're not in love, it's obeying the laws, obeying the commands, doing what he said. But if you're not in love, that's going to become very difficult. The secret to Christianity, the secret to it is falling in love with Jesus. That when you fall in love with Jesus, everything changes because it's no longer about... So many people, they, want, they, they get saved And they're trying to serve God, and the reason they're serving God and the reason they get saved, and I've done this like 75 times growing up. I didn't want to burn in hell. Like, literally, it was fire insurance for me. I don't want to burn. Jesus, save me. And the next day, guess what? I was back in the same junk that the day before I said I didn't want anymore. 
Why? Because I wasn't in love. There is something that happens when you get past, I just want to go to heaven so I don't have to go to hell, and you determine in your heart that you're going to fall in love with Jesus. And, and listen, guys, when you understand what Jesus has made available, what he's done for you, how many of he's made it easy for us to fall in love with him. He's made it extremely easy for us to fall in love with him. Now, in week one, this is my, I had a different closing last night, and the production team probably mad at me because I changed all the slides at the end and added these three points um, because I saw this last night in Scripture and thought, i got to share this to end this series. In week one, we, we took a detailed look at, at Lucifer, who we now know as Satan, who was the first worship leader. And Scripture describes him as one who was beautiful to behold, that he had every category of musical instrument built into his person. And pride and sin entered and manifested in his life, and then he, Lucifer became known as Satan. And when you look at Satan, you think, well, what, what you know, the, the deception that he was in, when you look at the deception, what we have to understand is that the first person that Satan deceived was not Adam, it was not Eve. It wasn't even Cain. The first person that Satan deceived was himself. Because when he was in heaven, he said, I will ascend. I will take over. I, I resent the fact that God's getting the worship. I think I should get the worship. So the first person that he deceived was himself. And, and so what you got to understand about Satan, and I hope you hear my heart, and by the Holy Spirit's help, I believe you're going to catch this. You need to know that Satan hates you. I mean, you need to know that he hates you. He cannot stand you. And I'm going to give you three reasons real quick why he hates you, and then we're going to get our praise, and we're going to praise till some demons leave. We're going to praise until some spirits leave. We're going to praise until we upset the enemy and his agenda. The first reason that Satan hates you is because every time Satan sees you, he sees God. Every time he sees you, he sees God. And I'm not preaching that you're God, but I am preaching you are a reflection of God. Because when you look at it, we are made in the image of our Creator. Satan fully comprehends that there is nothing more valuable in all the earth than a man or woman that's been created in the image of God. He fully comprehends that. And we know that when God was creating stuff, like God would say, let there be, right? And, and stuff happened. God created animals, and, and there was no template for the animals. Like zebra, I want you to look like a zebra. Turtle, look like a turtle. But how many know everything shifted when he got to Genesis 1.26? When God got to man, it was no longer let there be. It became let us make. And then he added three really powerful words on the end of that. He said, not only let us make, but he said, in our image. 
that we were created in the image of God. Our image comes from God. And Satan hates you because you are connected to God in a way that the rest of creation never will be. You have been made unique and separate and distinct and God knows you by name and you are connected to him at such a level that Satan hates you. The second reason he hates you. He hates you because you've stolen his job and you're better at it. You're better at it. Satan had been a literal instrument for the glory of God. His loveliness was, Scripture lays it out, it was breathtaking. He was awesome, but he was not irreplaceable. No matter how great, how gifted, how talented we might be, we are not irreplaceable either. See, we are now the reflection. When we are in relationship with God, when we receive Christ into our life, we, we then become the reflection of God. Not another angel, not, not Satan, not Michael the archangel, not any of the angels that were created, but you and I are a reflection of God. And, and, and so this is so powerful because Satan got fired and we got the job. And we're better at it than he was. And the reason we're better at it, Revelation tells us why. Revelation 5, 9, and 10. Worship team, y'all better come or I'm not quitting. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and the people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Why is our song so lovely to God? Because we have the song of the redeemed. That we have something Satan can. Now, this is heavy. This is heavy, but I'm going to go ahead and drop it on you. Satan sinned in eternity. Right? He sinned in eternity. A lot of people ask it. Well, pastor, why can't Satan be saved? Like, why can't, he be, why can't he repent? Why can't he get it right? Because Satan sinned in eternity. Eternity doesn't mean time forever. Eternity means no beginning and no ending. Let me put it to you like this. There has never been a time when God wasn't. Satan sinned in eternity. All right? So he can never be saved. He can never be redeemed. You and I did not sin in eternity. You and I sinned in time. And Scripture says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth a Savior. Come on, somebody. That, that in time... Oh, uh, yeah. Woo! I'm going I'm to kick something in just a second. That in time, in the fullness of time, God sinned. So the cool thing is, Satan sinned in eternity. He can never be redeemed. That's part of the reason why he can't stand you. But the good news is, is that we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, and we can sing a song that Satan can never sing. Oh, come on, somebody. We can sing a song that he's never been able to sing. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I dare somebody to give God praise today. Come on, stand to your feet. Number three. 
Satan hates you because God loves you so much. God loves the world. No, no, that ain't right. God so loves the world. And not only does he so love the world, he loves the one. So the next time you come and tell me you struggle with praise and worship and singing and loud and shouting and dancing and clapping, do I have to remind you that I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and I have a praise in me that you may not understand? I have a shout in me that you may never grasp, but I might know this today, that Jesus is worthy of my praise today. He's worthy of my worship today. I sense the Holy Spirit in this place. Because we're, listen Bethesda, we're getting ready to go to new levels. New levels of worship, new levels of praise, new levels of God's presence like never before. How many know it's His presence that changes us? And with that being said, we're going to do an extended worship set. we got a couple of songs. We're going to worship in just a second. But if you're here today, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around. I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I do not know Jesus as my personal Savior, but I want to be saved today. I don't want to leave the same way. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up right there where you are and say, I need Jesus. I need His forgiveness. Thanks for this hand. Thanks for this hand. Thanks for that hand back there. God bless you. Three on this side, four in the middle. God bless you. Anyone else? Just five right here. Anybody? Six right there. Seven back there. Where are you? Anybody else? Come on, throw it up. Throw it up. Throw it up. Eight right here. God bless you. Anyone else? If you're watching online, there's a button. Click it. You can be saved right there in your home, in your hotel, wherever you may be watching. Anyone else? Just slip it up and right back down. Anyone else? Bethesda, this is why we do what we do right here for this moment. The people that are going to pray this prayer are going to have a song that the devil can't sing because they're about to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I want every voice lifted. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, celebrate those eight people. Come on. Give him a shout. Yes. Prayer team, staff, come forward. Come on, guys. Let's demonstrate what we've just heard today. Let's express our love to Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.